Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and I'm looking forward to the show today. I'm looking forward, as always, to spending time with you. I hope your weekend was good. hope you got some rest uh, here in Minneapolis, St. Paul area. We woke up to a little dusting of that snow thing, and now it's all gone, so I'm pretty confident spring is around the corner. I love this verse out of Colossians in chapter 2, verse 8. It says, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. I memorized that verse a long time ago, and I love that verse. And I hope you think about memorizing that one as well. All right, I'm going to get the show started with uh, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa, Patrick Albanese. Uh, Over the weekend, Patrick worked on adding an extra day between Saturday and Sunday, making every weekend a three-day weekend. He's already been nominated for a Nobel Sleep Prize. It's yes. uh, It has grassroots movement at this point only. Patrick, welcome. Thank you. Uh, one of the difficulties uh, in, in qualifying for the prize is they asked me for the name for the day. Yeah. Yeah, and I've so far I've got Plues Day. Like <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I've, I've thought I have to have. Why do I have to name it? <laughs> so it's a to be announced. To yeah. be announced day. Plues Day. Uh, Plues Day. And that's going right to be right between you. Saturday and Sunday, giving us a full extra day, and every yeah. weekend's a three day weekend. I think this is brilliant, and I think the grassroots grassroots movement will catch on. Well, and, and, you know, I got the idea. I wish I could say that it, it, it was completely original to me, but I thought if we can add an hour, you know, uh, on these daylight savings times things, why, why are we stopping at just an hour? Thank you. Because if we add a full day, one of the nice things is, is it's still 7 a.m.? It's still 7 a.m. You don't you don't get that jet lag thing. <laughs> so I, I believe the idea has merit. I'm glad the committee... That, was that you that submitted me, by the way? I was. Split the it prize was me. With you? Yep. Okay. Right now, so right. far, the only people that are in the grassroots movement are you and me. And Rosie just nodded her head yes, so she's in too. Okay. I well, mean, who doesn't uh, want a three-day weekend? Talk about popularity. I could, I, I, how could it hurt? No. You could run for president on that platform. Three-day weekends I, for everybody. I, yeah, I think so. And you know, Because as it is, the calendar is a little bit difficult. We have seven-day weeks, but we have 365 days a year, which is not divisible by seven. We should get something that's a little bit more even. So uh, I think, you know, eight does go into 360. <laughs> okay, it doesn't. It doesn't do doesn't. that. <laughs> but, we, but we would have to get rid of a, one of the months. Yeah. I think we would have to, if we had an eight-day week, if we have to stick with the 365-day thing, well, we can't really have uh, a 35-day month unless we, I, you know, let's, since we already have February has the leap year thing, Let's just end February around the 11th. Shorter winter for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Longer weekends. I, I think this is a winner. I like that. I think we've yeah. got work to do. I, I don't think yep. it's going to happen overnight, but I, I do think we were onto something. And we yeah. can and say we talked about it for the first time here on this show. Right. It was the Plues Day was introduced. Plues, right yeah, Plues Day got some Plues momentum. Day. 
Yeah. Got some momentum. And if anybody has a topic you'd like Patrick and I to discuss, we're open to this idea only today. I don't. <laughs> it's kind of nerve-wracking to think that we would let the listeners uh, dictate exactly what we would try to talk about because, you know, we need to be prepared. But Patrick and I are willing to give it a shot. Let me know what it is you'd like us to discuss. We'll do our very best. 877-933-2484. Patrick, one thing I'll tell you tonight for sure, there's going to be a lot of people watching a basketball game. Yes. And so my uh, my brother-in-law, uh, uh, who passed away a couple of years ago, you knew Aaron. Yep. Huge Kansas fan. Huge. Uh, so uh, that you are talking about a basketball game. I am right? talking about basketball. <laughs> and I would be this, I'd be pulling yeah. for Kansas, but I do love Coach Hubert Davis. And if I can quote something he said, I think all listeners will like this. The foundation of who I am is my relationship with Jesus. And so whether it's coaching, whether it's my marriage, whether it's my three kids, decision making, everything is filtered through my faith. Did, and did I send that to you? You did. I thought I did. Yeah. And but, uh, so, yeah, I'm, that's, so that's, I'm, I'm, I'm not welcome. I'm, I, I'm, I'm sharing with you. You're reading, you're reading the transcript. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading it like I'm getting credit for it. But you did send that to me. But I thought that was beautiful. Oh, and he's the coach of North Carolina. Yeah, and, and, and I'm not uh, saying this because I want the credit as much as it's deserved. <laughs> no. <laughs> right. No, no, it's it's just that that uh, did kind of put me in the sort of torn position. Uh, a guy that I work with was a huge Duke fan, and he really wanted to see the coach who's retiring go out on top. And I, I, I said, well, I've got, I've got an issue with that because of this man who was bold enough to commit that to not just a written piece, they asked him at a press conference, and he said it for the world to see. So now tonight, because mm-hmm. they're playing uh, my mother-in-law's beloved Jayhawks, mm-hmm. um, I'm not going over there. <laughs> <laughs> You're a smart man. Yeah. I, I, it's, it, you know, I'm really not that much into the college basketball anyway. I, the whole bracket thing, I don't, I don't fully get um, that you're supposed to somehow or another successfully pick 64 teams. Yeah, and where they're going to place. And, you know, I don't think anybody's ever done it successfully. I don't think it's ever been done. I don't think so either. I know no. it's a big deal, though. A lot of people talk about their brackets and they compare their, yeah. their teams, and I've yeah. never done that. Well, so amazingly, when you think about it, you know, people say, well, I'm going to do it anyway, even though it's never successfully been done. And, of course, the odds of life existing the way that uh, it does on planet Earth, as I've been studying the stars with my son, is infinitesimally, mm. did I do that correctly? I think so. Even even more impossible, and yet some people struggle to believe in God. Mm. But they'll say, I'll fill out my brackets. You know, you never know. Well, hey, why, do we, why not take that approach with, wow, how did we get here? How is it possible? How is all of this amazing beauty and symmetry and perfectness of life to be understood? Eh, yeah. I, I, I don't know why we, so, you know, we, we, we grasp at things that, uh, you know, we say we, we stand a chance. I, I think I was, when the, when the lottery got up to, I think it was, was it, was it $500 billion? I'm not entirely sure. I think you got a, <laughs> I believe you got a small country and some cash. Yeah. Now, and as you know, I've been on a couple of game shows, uh, the taxes on that could, could hurt, but, um, I, I, it was it was up to a, a large amount of money, five hundred million dollars or something. And I thought, well, what are the odds? And it was something like one in three hundred billion <laughs> that you 
uh, could win. One in 300 billion, something crazy like that. That's and, a pretty crazy number. And people bought tickets saying, well, somebody's got to win. Okay. The chance of life existing here is one in, you know, 300 quadrillion. But you don't want to take a chance on God. Yeah, that's a that really big... there might big, be somebody behind it. Really yeah. big number. Yeah. Then when you is start big, looking... The quadrillion or the billion? Oh, the yeah. quadrillion. Quadrillion's a big yeah. number. Then when you start looking at prophecies yeah. fulfilled and you look at the um, the the ways in which the mathematicians have looked at the prophecies and what are the odds of them being randomly fulfilled, it's a pretty significant number. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just kind of digging for some notes here. Uh, let's see. Here's an illustration that... I'll probably give it after the break because I think I'll be more informed because okay. I think it's worth uh, worth talking about. Um, but I also want to talk about baseball season, which opens this week, which I'm looking forward to because, you know, I love a nice baseball game in the evening. It's so relaxing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we talked briefly uh, about Honus Wagner. And we all know Honus Wagner has got one of the most valuable baseball cards in existence. Yes. But people have to know why. Like, what made his baseball card so valuable? Well, I know you know. I know I know, but you talk about the value of the baseball card, but a lot of people don't know about the person. Yes. Now, I don't know it's if we're going to talk about yeah. him, but a lot of people know about the name Jesus, but they don't know the person. They can talk about it, but they don't really know who that person is. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, and you and I exchanged a couple of text messages on, on Honus Wagner, because I think you had uh, come across uh, some stat about a, a baseball card of his sold for a little over three six point six million. Six point six million. Six point six yeah. million mm -hmm. dollars. Uh, I remember on one of the David Copperfield magic specials, uh, he was visiting a guy who had a Honus Wagner card and he tore it up and restored it. I said, you know, David, you're pushing me. Statue <laughs> of Liberty disappearing. I don't think there's anybody that's going to let you touch that card. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. Oh, you can do magic with this? It's worth $6.6 million. Mm -hmm. But I, you had sent me a couple of uh, interesting tidbits about him, and I didn't realize not just you know what a fantastic baseball player he was, one of the best ever. We always think of Babe Ruth and, you know, the the, the Mickey Mantles mm -hmm. and the Joe DiMaggio's and Stan Musial's. But, uh, but what a quality man of character he was. I mean, uh, what is it? He, he, I think you would send me a thing about him. He quit school at a young age so he could contribute to the family because they needed money. Dropped out of school at, at age mines? 12 to help his father and brothers in the coal mines. And in their free time, he and his brothers played Sandlot baseball and developed their skills. And Ty Cobb <laughs> called Wagner probably the greatest star to ever take the diamond. And his yeah. brother, Albert, got him a tryout um, and convinced this coach to take a look at him. And the rest is history. Yeah, yeah. I think you also he he got a he got his barber's license just in case the baseball thing didn't work out. Well, I don't think he thought he was going to get a chance playing baseball, so he did. He got his barber's license. We're getting ready to cut hair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if 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 people were ever wondering when you see these old pictures of Babe Ruth saying who cut his hair, we know. <laughs> <laughs> Probably got a free cut from Honus well, Wagner. 
Yeah, good thing he actually did the baseball thing because there'd be a lot of people walking around. I think he did Mo, Larry, and Curly as well. <laughs> <laughs> but just... a, a Joe DiMaggio baseball baseball card is worth about two thousand. Nolan Ryan rookie card sold for six hundred thousand, and the Honus Wagner card went for six point six million. Now, to his credit, now, there was so only between fifty-seven and two hundred hundred of them put into. Um, uh, distribution because it was being put out by a tobacco company and he was an uh, adamant non-smoker and didn't want to have his card go out into cigarette packets. So, Amazing. Yeah. So he said, take my pick to get, Stop get me out of there. Yep. This is a guy that worked in the coal mines, by the way. Exactly. He probably knew something so about the dangers he, of it. He probably knew something about the dangers of yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. He's way ahead of his time. Way ahead. So yeah. if, any, if you have anything you'd like Patrick and I to talk about, we'd be happy to... Uh, Take your suggestions, 877-933-2484. Be right back. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours, conferring with the flowers, consulting with the rain. And my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. Welcome back to Monday. So glad to be with you today. Talking to Patrick Albanese, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. And here is the illustration, the mathematical uh, illustration that was produced by a mathematician, Patrick, talking about prophecies and prophecies fulfilled. And this is after examining only eight different prophecies and the conservative, they conservatively estimated that the chance of one man fulfilling all eight prophecies were one in 10 to 17 zeros. Let me give you an idea what that would be like. We take, uh, suppose that we take 10 to the 17 silver dollars and lay them on the face of Texas. They will cover all of the state two feet deep. Now, mark one of these silver dollars and stir the whole mass thoroughly over the state. Blindfold a man and tell him that he can travel as far as he wishes, but he must pick up the one silver dollar that has this special mark on it. What chance would he have of getting the the right one? I'm going with zero. I'm going with zero, too. I'm going, I mean, I'm sure there's there there's obviously a number but it's it's got a a, a, a a dot like a period, right? And then a lot of zeros. It's point zero 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 something. Well, so and and that's just eight of them. That's eight of so, them. And I'm trying to hundreds. remember if it was. I think it was uh, the book I read called Science and the Big Bang, and was it uh, Schroeder was the uh, the 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 author of that book, and he goes to the Big Bang and compares it to the book of Genesis and says, well, how do these things line up? You know, because if science is science and science says these things, well, what did the Bible say about these things? And he finds these amazing similarities in the timeline. He said, of course, you have to understand what the Big Bang time moves differently when the, before things started to cool. But uh, he would draw this uncanny comparison between the events. And then, and the thing he pointed out that was pretty amazing, he said, you know, how did they know that the writers of the Bible, it was so many years ago before we have electron microscopes and so many other things, they knew the exact order that things appeared. Mm-hmm. 
they, they, they knew the genealogy of life. How did they know that if it wasn't God inspired? Yeah. If it wasn't written by God, it, it's, and it was kind of an eye opener. How did they know? They, well, they didn't just know they were told. Yeah. Yeah. And then Akash, I made a comment, Patrick, um, when you discuss the odds of prophecy fulfilled, maybe you could remind folks that their eternal destination is a one in two chance of heaven based on your belief and submission to God's plan of salvation substantiated by those prophecies. Yeah, so, yeah, that's a yes, no, isn't it? That's a yes, no. It's do you choose or reject? I, I know we've, we 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 talk about Pascal's wager, um, and you know that that seems to be you know, almost an end around to saying, okay, if you're not going to believe, because you know you want to get to know Jesus and you want to get to know God and have a relationship here, at least save your skin. How about that? How about that? You know, sometimes it feels like. You're just saying, can you can you do it for these reasons? What do you have to lose? It's a one in two chance, but that's never that's not enough for some people. I I don't know, you know. I know we've talked about this, but Jesus appeared before people after his resurrection. They said, oh, that's him, but you know, this isn't for me. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know, you know, what more would you need? Yeah, you know, there is a leap of faith that has to happen. Yeah. When I read those chilling words in the gospel towards the end of Matthew, it says, and yet some doubted after they see him uh, bodily resurrected, and they see him and they say, yet some still doubted. I think, well, yeah, that people I, are going to do their own thing, think their own ways and believe their own, uh, their own ways. Yeah. Oh, there's so much more waiting for you. Yeah. Um, there's so much more waiting for you. That's... Uh, I like that. I, 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 instead of dealing with those large numbers, I like the one and two. Because <laughs> that's really, gra- you can grasp that. You can, you see, this is pretty simple. Yeah. It applies, yeah. To, it applies to all of us. Everyone listening today can realize they have a decision to make. Are they going to repent and surrender their life to Christ, or are they going to live in rejection to him and his gospel? And if they decide to live in rejection, they're going to be placing themselves outside of God's eternal kingdom forever. Yeah. It's pretty sobering. Well, it is pretty sobering. And really the only thing that's, you know, keeping you from doing it is, I, I know I can only answer for me, but there's a stubbornness, uh, just a stubbornness. I don't know why. Why do we have this uh, un- unwillingness, this stubbornness to, to almost acquiesce to the truth? Spiritual it's blindness. A, this is the truth. It's spiritual blindness. You couldn't see until the Holy Spirit opened your heart for you to see truth. Is, is pride involved? Do you think there, there's a, yeah. a, an amount of, yeah? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, th- th- that's a pretty big stumbling block then. I mean, I had it. Well, uh, for those that might be you know, struggling with it, I, I fully understand. You know, I remember talking with, it was a mutual friend. We, I don't think either one of us have seen in years. But I remember, and as I was coming to faith and I was having a conversation with her over lunch one day, and she was born as a Christian, raised her whole life as a Christian, and she said she envied me making the discovery because she said, well, I was born into it. And so it was always there for me. And I, 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 was, I, I was saved from the day I was born, practically. Uh, it was just, I, she, she envied the journey. She said, what is it? She asked me, what is it like to go from, you know, not believing to believing? She said, that's 
just has to be this wonderful experience to have your eyes open like that. She said, I was born, I guess, with my eyes open. It was never questioned. Uh, yeah. Well, there's some people raised in Christian homes, and they say that I prayed to receive Christ when I was six or seven, and they truly believed it, and that has been their whole wonderful story. They've never went through an, a period of an, as being an adult where they were wondering who God, who is God, and, and does God want to have a relationship with me? It's like, called being lost. Exactly. But, yeah. The shame is you, you don't need, you don't know you're lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least from my own personal um, experience, I thought, what do you mean? I'm I'm not lost. I know exactly where I am. I've got it all. I've got it all figured out. I remember. Oh, I remember oh, telling you you were lost. Words. I think I was nice yeah, about it though. Was like, yeah, you were nice. And what I really appreciated is, in true GPS fashion, you used that British voice. <laughs> 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 you know. You know, re what what is the word they use? Re redirecting, recalculating, re um Yeah, recalculating. Oh, you know that word. Yeah. Every 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 time you make a wrong turn or you say, No, actually I think I know better than you, machine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have my own way of getting here. Just you get me the big way. Uh, yes, recalculating. Mm-hmm. Recalculating. Yeah, you did tell me that. Mm-hmm. I we, didn't take offense at it. I know you didn't, because we had a trusting loving friendship at that point. So I think I had earned I'd earned a place to discuss it with you, and you were very respectful. So thank you for that. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, thank you for that. Oh, yeah, that was 22 years ago, by the way. I know. I know. Isn't that amazing? Sometimes it's, awful, awesome. it's awfully hard sometimes to understand eternal punishment. I read in the paper last week that a guy in Indiana was sentenced to 650 years in prison. And I think, why don't, why don't they just say, you're here until you die? What is it about the legal system that seems so confusing? Is he able to cut a deal where he's going to get out after 500 years for good behavior? Uh, you know, there's always hope, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> but eternity I, I, is forever. Yeah. And I don't, maybe they just, they they keep you there for 650 years. I don't know what they do. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's to send a message to other people if you do something like this. You're going to get 650 years too. But I, I, most of us kind of know when the clock's it's going to run out long before that sentence does run out. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, enjoy oh, enjoy watching a little basketball tonight, and uh, I will talk to you again next week. Yeah. By the way, just a, a word of advice yeah. for people, uh, because I, I take my kids to school and pick them up almost every day, and there's the drop-off lane. And I know that there are some people that live just around the corner, and I, I, I say to them, you're spoiling your kids by actually driving them to school just that two, three blocks. That's what Uber is for. <laughs> just, I just want to give people that that little little helpful hint. Because you know, I like to I like to impart advice. I know you do it well. Thank you. All right, my friend. Talk to you next week. Talk to you next you week. You bet. Patrick Albanese has been my guest to get things started. On the lighter note, welcome uh, to the show. If you just joined us, we're going to talk to Miriam Neff. She was on the program last uh, week for Monday Afternoon Mix. She's going to be joining us with her daughter. We're going to continue talking about Widow Connection. Be right back.
It's Monday, 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 and it's time now for the Monday Afternoon Mix. And guess what? There's no Pastor David Miles today, Rosie. It feels a little bizarre. You know, can we talk about where he is? I think we can. I think people would love to pray for him. Yes, indeed. He is doing um, some ministry work in India. Yep. Destination, exact destination, secret. Secret. But it's uh, going to be there for another week, I think, and I'm excited to hear what God is doing over there and He's trying to reach a village of, of unreached people. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be quite a challenge. And he can't have periodicals. He can't bring anything in. And so he was very strategic on uh, in conversation before he left on how he would start conversations. It's not a bad plan for us too, Bill. I agree. But last week, Miriam Neff joined us. She's the founder and president of Wid- well, Widow Connection. It's a um, ministry helping people, uh, women, uh, and men who are widows and widowers. And after that season of, of life, when it just gets started and it gets challenging and how to, how do you manage everything and your finances and everything? So she's going to mm-hmm. join us again today. Talk a little bit about that. Miriam, welcome. It's so good to be with you. And I was in India three years ago now. And I would just say to those listening, do please pray because it is not cool to in any way refer to anything Christian, whether you're with a couple of Christian sisters and brothers in a cab, you cannot say anything about what you're doing and where you are. So uh, what you say about strategically mm. praying, please do. And I love Dave. I do. He and Tammy, when they were expecting their little DJ years ago, so good people. But God is big and God is strong, and he will work. Mm-hmm. And Miriam, you uh, wrote a book with your daughter, Valerie, and I was thinking at first she was going to be able to join us today, but apparently not. So you're going to have to do all the talking today. I'm sure you're okay with that. (laughs) I'm okay. And, you know, we love doing it together. She travels. She's a lawyer and a CFP, and she has been in three states in the last six days. So, But I think at some time when you get her on the show, you won't need me. She's got, she is the numbers nerd and really a good communicator. And I'm just a word nerd. Okay. Well, that's a nice combo. We got a word nerd and a numbers nerd. That's a, that's a good nerd combo. Especially with this topic. Oh, I know. I know. So maybe I could ask just a couple of questions because you and uh, Valerie wrote a book, uh, Wise Women Managing Money. And for a, a lot of people who find themselves in a situation where they're uh, now without their spouse, uh, there's a lot of nervousness and there's a lot of what next and how do I do this? And yet you two are very busy people. Uh, and yet you take time to write about women and finances. Maybe you would tell us why. Well, first of all, it's a book for all women, although it was endorsed by Jerry Jenkins and he said men should read it, but that's just Jerry's opinion, <laughs> but it's for all women. And Valerie deals with a lot of people with appreciated assets and giving to their charities and churches and that kind of thing. But as we were digging into it, and she helps me with Widow Connection, I realized, we realized that women, when they lose their spouse, usually have too little money and don't know how to shrink expenses to live well, or they're overseeing $12 million in trust that are very wealthy. And there are many wonderful Christian men uh, talking about money and Ron Blue and all of those were admirers of there. Many of them have endorsed our book, but there are no Christian women voices talking about money. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we just say things a little differently. Plus, 
Most of the women in the United States are single. Even if we're married, we're likely to be single longer than we're married. It's statistical. And um, the fact that women oversee most of the wealth in the United States, no more than 51 percent, and that will be moving up to two-thirds pretty quickly, women need to be on top of this biblically. And I have to say, biblically is the big thing that matters. Yeah, do mm-hmm. do say more about that. That's You've got my attention, for sure. <laughs> well, for instance, in Scripture, the most used topic and the most referred to topic in the Bible is love, and the second one is money. And so wouldn't you think we would all want to know what God has to say about money? And Valerie and I have done the study in depth, and I would say of our 26 chapters, I'll give you the two bookends. The first one starts, it's not ours, it's all God's. He's entrusted it to us to use. We're a steward of it. Matthew 25, some have many talents and some have one. It matters what we do with it. He expects us to multiply it for kingdom purposes. So that's bookend at the front. And then we go through all these chapters on decision-making and spending plans and budget busters like fear and the whole thing of debt. And the, the 26 chapters cover a lot of things. But then at the end, the last chapter is okay. Now you know it's the Lord. He's entrusted it to you. How are you doing? What are you going to do with it for his glory, for his kingdom? And in between that, there's a lot of learning to happen. I happen to have loved becoming an investor after my husband went to heaven. Um, Not all women maybe think they want to learn that, but I had to, and I did. If I can learn it, this word nerd, anybody, (laughs) anybody can oversee their investments and be wise about it. And there are just a whole lot of options there. Mm -hmm. Um, So, gosh, Miriam, can I ask you just a fundamental question before we go further? In your book, or have you and your daughter talked about as women are preparing to be the stewards of two-thirds of the wealth in, in the world coming up in the next 10 years or so, what is there... Do you teach or is there a place that women can go to learn a posture of generosity before they actually look at their finances that they might be giving to charity or setting up for elderly or kids or whatever? Have you? Is there is there a step prior to finances that the Holy Spirit um, leads us into? Well, first of all, God's principles always apply. So, for instance, uh, Scripture says provide for your family. So if someone says, okay, I have my income now, and oh my word, I've heard of this great need, and I'm not going to take any money and pay my mortgage and pay for food for my kids because I've got to give to this. Now, that's a ridiculous example, but the reason I'm bringing that up is the principles apply, and the principles always say where our heart is, that's where where our treasure is, that's where our heart will be. But I think sometimes people kind of get sidelined with, did it say 10% for this? And then someone else says, but that was this and that and the other. And the fact of the matter is most evangelicals now give 3% of their income to philanthropic uh, things, including their church. So it, it's kind of like the basic thing is get getting the concept. It's not ours. And he says, 
make sure you're handling it well. What does he say to do with it? And I'll tell you one of the big problems. Scripture says, till your field and then build your house. And in our culture, we say, buy as big a house as you can, get as much of a mortgage as you can, debt is fine, lost your job, oops. So, and again, I may be saying the kind of the extreme, but to make the point, we are to live on less than we have coming in. And you have know what you have coming in before you figure out what kind of mortgage you want to cover and what amount you as a couple want to set aside to make sure your vacation with your children or whatever your principles are. And take that first amount that you say, this is what we're going to give to biblical purposes. And of course, many of your listeners probably are people who are generous with their church. But one of the things we stress too for in a marriage, both need to know about all of it. And that's is kind of uncommon. I was talking with a couple on Sunday, and he does all the finances, and she's happy with that. And that's okay, kind of. But the fact of the matter is, in 10 marriages, eight, the men will leave the planet first. So she will have it either dumped in her lap, or she will be on top of it all. There are a lot of good um, resources out there. I think of some organizations like Kingdom Advisors that talk a lot about giving, and there are places where um, resources, one is called National Christian Foundation. This is one of the places Valerie serves as a lawyer, and they talk about how you select good places to give. So you can really do a deep dive into that, but we always encourage look around, look under the hood of that organization. How are they doing? Not just who has the most pleading voice at the moment. Mm. Miriam Neff is our guest. She's the founder and president of Widow Connection. It's a not-for-profit ministry. She's written a number of books. The one that she has written with her daughter, Valerie, is called Wise Women Managing Money. Um, Miriam, maybe you would review uh, some of the basic budgeting issues that are misunderstood and that cause a lot of financial grief. Well, that is kind of almost like chapter two or three. I mean, before we we really dive into that really soon, and we like to call it a spending plan because it they do, people don't like the word budgeting. But we say know it, own it, like it, or change it. Like and if that. you ask many people, okay, do you know what your spending plan is now? Many would kind of roll their eyes, and the fact is everyone has a spending plan. They just maybe don't know it because, you know, the money goes out, the money goes out, and then they think, oh, I can only pay minimum on that charge card this month. But we start to know it. We write it all down, and Bob and I would do it paper and pencil. He's in heaven now. I still do it pencil. Val and her husband do spreadsheets with all these tabs for everything. Well, good, whatever works for you as a couple, do it that way. And if someone says, you've got to do it this note, you have to do it how it will work. If you need to put in your notes on your phone, a $7 cup of coffee, although I don't know about that. But, yeah, but where are you okay. getting it so cheap? I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but you, you, first of all, you know it. So you write it down and then you look at it and say, okay, that is my realistic spending plan. That's what I'm doing. And then the next question is say, I, I'm owning it. Okay, oops, that's why we're having these 
testy financial discussions in our marriage because finances is one of the second most prevalent causes of arguments and sometimes even divorce. So you you own it and say, okay, that's it. And then we say, or the woman says, and as I said, most women are single in the United States now, look at it and say, do I like that? Is it God-honoring? Now, let's just say that you decide you want to be able to give 10%. And and I'm not a theologian, so I'll let you invite on. No, David Miles, have him talk about that. But let you you put that in, and then you shrink everything else to make that happen. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where you come in and saying, "Well, do I like this, or is it is it really what I believe? I'm a believer, so God says I should provide for my family. So I want to I I take that really seriously. God also says be able to help those in need. Now we don't enable lack of a work ethic or bad behavior or whatever. But there are times that come along when you just need to help someone fix their their dishwasher or something, or they've had a health crisis and they need, uh, well, that's something that we want to be able to do. So you like it, you own it, you know it, you own it, you like it, and then you change it to match whatever that is. But I'd like to say one more thing about that spending plan you have to regularly revisit it. And in these days, like at the gas pump where I am in the Chicago area, oh my word. And Minnesota, you probably were paying more for heating this winter. Is that, am I accurate there? Yes, you are. Okay, so what if you had no margin? And we say, and every every good business planner, every good financial planner will say, have a three to six month uh, set aside for emergencies. And then if you have that and the emergency comes along that you're having to pay more for energy, you're not, oh my word, we have to start eating oatmeal only, no hamburgers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you've got that, um, that margin there so that you don't have to have the great tension of just how are, how are we going to get through this? Miriam Neff is our guest. She's written a book with her daughter, Valerie, called Wise Women Managing Money. We'll take a little break and we will come back. I got Rosie and I got lots of questions for her. Be right back. afternoon mix and where is david miles 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 miles, miles, miles. Uh, we, he's in india he'll and, be back though next yeah. week i think next week he'll be back next week mm-hmm. and we are asking for prayer for him in the we are indeed room. we are indeed our prayers. guest is miriam neff she's written a book with her daughter uh, valerie called wise women managing money and let me ask this miriam if you wouldn't mind just if a couple has not been managing their finances together how do you suggest they begin well, one of the things is you acknowledge you love each other. That, you know, you start positive and say, okay, 
So how are we going to do this in a loving way? And we say this in our book that you don't have a time that you plan this when you're hungry or when you're busy or tired. Mm-hmm. You know, you strategically plan this time. And you sometimes it's helpful just to sit down and start by saying, how are you feeling about whether we're achieving the goals that are important to you or not? And ask, let one person say what's on their heart. And then the other person says, how are, how are we doing on achieving the things that are important to me? And this is starting by sometimes there's dissension or even arguments because one person thinks we can't spend anything on a vacation or because we're going to save for college and we don't have the time with precious time with children when it can be an inexpensive vacation. And the other one might be saying, well, uh, I would just really love to just have a little bit of resources to go golfing once in a while. And you start by accepting that you have some differences and then start strategically planning the budget together to do that. And if you haven't been able to get to those things, say, what can we cut back on so that you can have that thing that matters to you or we can do this together? And it's a rather I think it's a diplomatic way to to come at it rather than, oh, we're in all this debt. You need and start blaming each other. That's not going to go anywhere. Mm hmm. Now my counseling hat is on because that was my profession. Yeah. I like that comment about having a little extra money for golf. It's the, not the green fees that gets me. It's the 29 balls I got to buy, <laughs> which is about what I go through per round. Anyway, Rose, you got a question. I do. Um, and piggybacking on Bill's question, uh, Miriam, if you can, for a, a woman who might not have had any interaction with her budget at this point, and maybe they're married 25 years, maybe they're married two, maybe she's just starting out and is single, as you said. Is is there a track or are there classes? How should she start? Because it can seem like such an amazingly complex arena. And is there a place where she she should start? Well, I can tell you we have, uh, we have a website now, wisewomenmanagingmoney.com. And on that, I would say the thing that's good about that now, I, I don't mean to sound self-serving. By the way, going to the website is free. We don't even sell the book on there. You click through to Amazon, uh, and it has a nice discount for the book right now. But at that website, there are each chapter, we have a five-minute video, Val and I talking about that topic. And I would say if she hasn't been doing anything about that or hasn't been involved with finances at all, go through. And then a good thing might be, let's say she's really curious about whether they're able to pay for repairs for the house. There's a chapter on housing and we have all kinds of graphs and charts and even pictures that help you kind of get the message of what's in the book. Uh, Wills and trusts, important topic. Well, for the trust, we have a picture of a basket, little house in it, little car in it, little. So every well, every family should have a will. 60% do not. So if if something happens to both of them, a judge will decide who takes the children and oversees that. I mean, the fact that we can do something simple to protect our future is a good thing. But the website, Wise Women Managing Money, is a good place to start because it's only five minutes each. And you can go back and replay it. There's an outline there. And maybe... She wants to sit down with her husband and say, I know you love me. 
I need to be informed. I need to grow in my financial literacy. I need to grow in uh, peace about our finances, you know, starting at it that way and then having some knowledge in each of those 26 areas is just a good place to begin. Miriam, you talk about budget busters, stuff that really interferes or even wrecks our good budget plans. And one you say is emotions. I would love for you to explain what that means and how we can know when our emotions are overruling our logic. Well, sometimes when we feel ill at ease about something, we look for places to satisfy that, to make it go away. And one thing used to be retail therapy. Well, now instead of retail therapy at the mall, it's going online Mm -hmm. at Amazon or wherever. But we say, oh, I'd feel better if I was driving a better car. I'd feel better if I had this or that. That doesn't solve that, uh, that fear or that insecurity. The solution to that is to be in charge of what God has entrusted you so that you say, I'm full and complete and total and competent as a person created by Christ, not comparing myself to other people. But another uh, another emotion is this pull of heartstrings. Now our teens, well, actually before that, even in grade school, do I have the smartest phone? Do I have the right kind of clothes? And the we love our kids. Like, of course, we want them to feel confident and up with every. Well, no, here's where as believers, we start saying your worth isn't in that you match the other people. Your worth is in the Lord. Your worth is in your the fact that you're studying and learning and growing and growing as a Christian. And we instill early that this comparison business does not run a budget. But it's it's amazing how we can get pulled into that. By the way, grandmas can do that, too. I mean, my grandsons, oh, shouldn't they have? You know, and thankfully, not only do I have limits, but my daughter helps me have limits. But, but those are the kinds of things where it's the emotion that says, well, and then another one is, that, well, everybody else is doing it. This is popular. This is okay. Everybody else has a bunch of debt, 16 grand per family. I mean, that's that's just credit card stuff. It's um, it isn't biblical, and the whole debt thing is is turned around in our culture. So we have to be very careful that it's our head that is learning scripture, and then our head is telling our heart, "This is what scripture says," and our heart is saying, "I'm God's, so I'm going to follow those guidelines." And when when that fear comes in or that insecurity, I'm going to say, "Wait a minute." God is my security, and I'm plodding along in the right direction. I'm trying to get that three- to six-month budget surplus in place. $5 a week is at least a start. I'm on the way. Miriam, you know what I hear you saying, which I think is such a beautiful addition to who we know we are in Christ and our identity, is that through our finances, another step of our identity is being a seed sower. And to make room for that in our budget and to rejoice in that God's given us that opportunity or we're working towards it. What a great additional way to look at ourselves as sons and daughters of the high king. That's incredible. And, you know, we are an example, not just to our children, but we're an example in our church. We're an example in our neighborhood. And God says he gives us all things to richly enjoy 
So if we have something, we can certainly enjoy whatever that is that he's entrusted to us. But it's the, the caution is, and I think our culture just really pulls us in such a wrong direction, is that the solution is always more. And we know biblically that isn't the truth. Little is much in the hands of the Lord. I mean, the scripture, I said, it's this number two topic in scripture, um, but that it, it's so important that we are firm in that principle and in that knowledge of who we are in the Lord. Mm, so good. Uh, Miriam, tell the website one more time, the new website. Okay, it's wisewomenmanagingmoney.com. Okay. And you'll see Val and I in my family room. We had to try to get the dog not to keep bumping its tail against the door. Good luck with that. <laughs> so it, I, I'm not saying this is a professional quality television <laughs> show, Yeah. but it's five minutes on each of those. And now the book, then, if you get the book, we say a lot more in a chapter than but you were for a, just a beginning thing. That's a good place. And also, of course, there's the link to the book. And we also have a lot of more recommended resources of many other books in specific areas I think your listeners will love. Thank you so much, Miriam Neff. It's been a pleasure. We'll take a short break and be right back with Ken Samples. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.